Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Driving Force podcast. I'm your host, Chase Rosa, a former private equity analyst turned endurance athlete. This podcast will feature conversations with uniquely driven and authentic individuals who continue to achieve great things in their respective fields. By presenting their stories, uncensored and uncut, I hope to inspire you to take a step back, look within, and evaluate your path and journey. If you're an avid obstacle course race competitor, someone new to the sport, or think about doing your first Tough Mudder or Spartan race, this is the episode for you. My guest today is Tyler Mosession. Tyler is an accomplished Spartan Race age group and Ninja Warrior competitor. He's completed all of the distances Spartan Race has to offer, from the 5K sprint all the way up to the 50K ultra, including conquering arguably the hardest Spartan ultra of them all on Mount Killington, Vermont. And last year, he finished second in his age group in the Spartan Race Stadium Series. On the Ninja Warrior side, he recently qualified for and competed in the National Ninja League Finals in Greensboro, North Carolina, and is working his way towards being a competitor on American Ninja Warrior. He's also recently been spotted running a sub-freezing trail race in the bathing suit category, which we'll touch on later. So, without further ado, my interview with Tyler Mo Session. So I saw on um, on your Instagram there you did you recently did a race when where you wearing a wearing a bathing suit. <laughs> Is that right? What uh, uh what race was that? Uh, yeah, it wasn't really a bathing suit. It was uh, just some spandex shorts because I was lacking a bathing suit. But it was called the Noob Sanity Frozen Four. Um, so it was a four-mile trail race, and then there was an optional bathing suit class. But you received five extra points towards the series if you went with uh, a bathing suit, which was essentially as long as it was just um, no no shirt, long pants, or like long socks was was qualified for that so <laughs> and it's called noob noob sanity yeah um the guy that owns that owns it there is his name is Jarrett newbie so that's where he gets the name from and are they all are they all kind of like uh like those sort of like i don't know weird do they have all of like these weird categories and stuff <laughs> that you can race in i yeah i'm actually i'm not sure i know that's a staple one but i know that they have a whole race series with different points and things like that. Um, I know they have like more classic OCRs. They have um, they have a rucking division, so you're able to carry thirty or twenty pounds depending if you're male or female um, through these courses. Um, they have an ultra, which is you know thirty plus miles. Um, they have standard OCR trail races. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. Um, it's just his house basically, and it's in a his backyard is full of trails. And then he just built some obstacles. So <laughs> that's awesome. I'll have to I'll have to look into it. Yeah, it's up in uh, for anyone who's local. It's up in Binghamton, New York. Um, so it's about an hour for me because I'm in Scranton, PA. Um, so that's why I kind of went to it for the first time. Gotcha. Um, and how did how did you do in the race? I finished in tenth overall, but a hundred people there. Um, and then third in my age group, which was, uh, men 20 to 29. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely died out a little bit. I was actually in second at the, after the first mile thinking I was doing pretty darn good, but uh, I guess, uh, some people who are very familiar with the trails, uh, probably were like, what's this fool doing? Then... <laughs> yeah. Burned, burned himself <laughs> yeah. out too early or something. Yeah. And then there was, um, a lot of like really fresh snow cause they ha- it got snow like that Friday or Saturday and then the race on a Sunday. So that just made some spots. There was just like eight inches of snow, like literally like <laughs> up to your calves in the snow. It was pretty crazy. Um, definitely tough to get any return on your steps. 
Yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, and you recently moved out to Pennsylvania, right? That's right. Yep. Um, where did you move from? Um, so I moved from the uh, Boston area. I lived about thirty minutes north of Boston, without traffic, of course. Uh, more like two hours with traffic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I grew up there my whole life. But then I took a job with the uh, minor league affiliate of the Yankees. Ironically enough. So, okay. Um, yeah, doing doing ticket sales for them right now. Got it. So it was it was work related. Yep. Yep. And then most likely not permanent. Yeah. But we'll see where it, see where it takes me. Uh, there's cool. a lot of uh, opportunities to move around, both internally and externally within this industry. So. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, yeah. So I mean, we we got connected through. Um, my cousin, Lucas Rosa, after I told him about, um, the Spartan races, Spartan races, I was going to compete in this year. Uh, and he mentioned that you do, you do them all the time and are a very, very, uh, accomplished competitor. Um, what, uh, what sparked your interest in Spartan races and OCR in general? Uh, it's funny. Uh, people have asked me that before and I'm actually not completely sure. Um, you know, I always wanted to be an athlete, um, like most people. Um, and that's probably also why I got into, uh, working in ticket sales with the sports team because I always just wanted to be work for a team or you know, be, in, be in that realm. Um, but then, you know, I tried just about every sport with a ball you could possibly imagine um, until I realized I was no good at any of them. And then I was literally my junior year, I was standing in the downpouring rain at a varsity football game because you had to, if I was a JV player, I had to stand on the sidelines and, um, one of my uh, one of my buddies came up to me and was just like, "Hey man, screw this. Let's go run cross country. Like, they'll, like they'll give us playing time because you know everyone technically plays in cross country. I guess technically the worse you are, the more playing time you get because uh, you'll be out <laughs> yeah. there for you'll be out there for longer. Um, but so then we literally was like, you know what? This is a horrible. Let's let's give it a shot. So that that day, the next Monday, I turned in my uniform and for football, and then showed up to cross country practice. Um, so I was definitely, uh, you know, started running a bit and then, um, my dad knew I started running and I guess his coworkers were doing a Spartan race up in Killington, Vermont, actually. Um, and he was like, Hey Ty, you want to go? And I was like, all right, sure. Why not give it a shot? And, um, you know, I did the, so that was a sprint and that was back in 2013. So I was 16 at the time I did that and, uh, it was pretty tough definitely not easy but uh you know i thought i was a total badass because i beat my like dad's co-workers by like 45 minutes in a sprint um which is wasn't really too much of an accomplishment um now i look back on it <laughs> but um yeah it was uh so and then i was like how do i get better at this type of thing so i decided you know once uh, the cross-country season ended i decided to just uh you know keep running so then i did indoor track and outdoor track and just kind of kept going Gotcha. That's awesome. Um, so have you always, I guess, since then always loved running? Yeah, definitely. Um, because you know, basically what, you know, after my cross country season, we hired a new distance coach for indoor track. His name was, uh, James Fletcher. And he, you know, I I didn't really know who he was about or what, what he was. He actually showed up to practice the first day wearing a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. I was like, who is this clown? And, um, but then I found out he ran a, he ran a 415 mile at Holy Cross, 
um, when he was in college. So Jeez. I was like, wow, I mean, you know, this kind of sport numbers don't lie. So I'm just going to listen to everything he has to say. Um, you know, at that point, my 5K PR was somewhere around like 23 or 24 minutes. I was, you know, towards the back half of the JV race. Um, but then I was like, I'm going to listen to everything this guy says. And, uh, you know, eventually I ended up running, well, it was a three mile course. So it wasn't quite a 5k, but at that time my, I ended up going from like a 23 minutes to like 18 minutes in a year. So I cut off over, over a minute and a half per mile off my average pace. That's awesome. Um, was it, I guess, were you sad to give up football for cross country or, um, was it not really, I guess that big of a deal? for you um yeah i'd say it wasn't really that big of a deal for me um i i did it because i wanted to be like cool and i wanted to be part of something i just wanted to feel like i was fitting in because you see that in the movies right like the the high, the high school football player gets a cheerleader and he's the most popular guy and all this stuff so that probably you know event, what really has inspired me kind of to try to, fo- to be the football player which i wasn't so and then when i you know when i realized i found my calling in running I was totally okay with that. And um, I guess what throughout high school what ended up being kind of your, uh, I guess, personal best 5K. Or did you mention that already? Was it was it 18? Um, yeah, yeah, it was that 1801 was my personal best in high school, um, and that was for three miles. Uh, actually, since then in college, which I didn't run, I didn't, I did not run um, like varsity college. Um, cross country or track because I went to a division one program and def- I wasn't quite at those times yet, but, um, uh, my, my best was 1804. It's actually, I guess still is 1804, uh, for a, fi- for a 5k. So, which is 3.3.1 miles. So, uh, I think that's like a 548 pace, I believe, which would be about like a 17 20 or so on that three mile course. That's you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. I'm, uh, I'm not there yet, but uh, I'll, I'll hopefully get there. I think I'm my fastest 5K is like at 21 even or something like that. But yeah, although I will say that you know I've definitely tried, you know, strength training for because when I because then when I started going to Spartan race, I, my weakest point was the um, the strength obstacles. You know, your Her- your Hercules hoists and your carries and things like that. Um, probably still is uh, my weakest point right now. Um, so that I definitely started bulking up some more and really focusing on strength training as well. Um, so I put on some some weight in, in, in a good way, uh, but definitely you know probably you know a little bit slower than that. Probably you know on an average course I can do like a 19 minute fi- um, 5k now. And I feel like right now it depends on the course. Uh, a lot of times when you do a road a road race, because there's another course where I have like my second through fifth best races ever, and it's all on the same course because it's all the the downhill is just fantastic <laughs> yeah whereas there's um, another course in my league in high school where it's um much more much more hilly and definitely not not my best performances there yeah yeah um i guess explain for the audience the generally kind of the layout of a spartan race course um yeah so i mean it's you know i mean it kind of depends on which which course you're referring to but i guess it's you know to start to start to a finish and there's a number of obstacles between, um, you know, new for 2020, actually, uh, people might be interested in this, that Spartan is standardizing their courses, or so, th- so they say they are. Um, so like a sprint 
is a 5k with 20 obstacles. Um, a super is a 10k with 25, I believe. Um, so they're keeping the trying to keep it the same throughout across the country and the world for their, their therefore. Um, but you're going to see obstacles like monkey bars and rope climbs and sandbag carries, um, things like that, if that makes sense. And I guess the terrain too is something that it's probably honestly the biggest challenge at some venues, which I'm sure you're going to encounter when you go to uh, big bear. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it can be anywhere from like, um, I would, I would say, I don't know if you'd agree that most of them tend to be somewhat hilly, but um, mm-hmm. some like Big Bear can be like an actual mountain <laughs> that you're climbing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, there are some races, you know, you're you're from the New England area. So like there's that race in Charlton that is uh, super flat. I mean, yeah. um, but then there's, you know, Killington in the same region, which is arguably the hardest uh, mountain there is in all of Spartan. Yeah. And so there's, uh, I guess there are four uh, four distances in Spartan, right? Um, well, now they're uh, they've changed the state the stadium to be its own distance. Um, so although it's it's still it's still a five k like a sprint is, but there's uh, you'll in the stadiums you'll see the um, more so CrossFit type stations. Um, in stadiums you'll see no mud, no fire jump, no water. Well, water meaning dunk wall. They'll still have water stations for those people who might be concerned about that. Um, but um, you'll see like uh, slam medicine balls, um, air bike. You have to bike an air bike for like 15 calories. Um, the ramp burpees, which is like a um, weight you have to lift. You have to press over your head and um, then do a burpee for, you know, so like a, a bunch of different repped obstacles that you won't see at a, uh, at a regular Spartan race, except for burpees, I guess, if you fail something, but. Right. It's, yeah, the, the stadiums are turning more, a little bit more CrossFit, like. Right, right. Um, and there's one at Fenway, right? They have those at Fenway? Fenway yes, Park? Yes, yep, and actually, um, one of my big things for the 2020 season is I'm going to be doing the stadium series, um, which they have certain races that are considered for the point series. Um so it, it's going to be um, City Field, uh, Dallas, uh, the Cowboy Stadium, uh, Angels Park in L.A., City Field in Philly, not City Field, um, Citizens Bank Park, and then um, Fenway uh, in November. So so there's a bunch of different races for stadium, but like there's one at Wrigley Field, I believe, as well. Uh, Nationals Park is one of them as well. well. Mostly baseball stadiums, I think, with the exception to Cowboys Stadium, which is football. That's cool. So are you aiming to do um, most of them or all of them? Um, yeah. So I actually, I mean, if I want to compete in the series, I have to do all of them. Oh, okay. At least all, all the ones that are within the series. Like, so I don't have, so, which is the five I mentioned first. Um, the other ones are just, you know, extra ones if I wanted to go to them, but I plan on doing those five. Yeah. And when you compete in a Spartan race, do you have to complete every obstacle? Uh, so it's not required to complete every obstacle. Um, if you are unable to complete an obstacle, you're supposed to do, or you have to, I guess, for a competitive heat, um, 30 burpees. Um, the stadium is 15 burpees. They changed that, but 
it's also it's also one try, which is different from Spartan to other OCRs. Um, there are other OCRs out there that it's a mandatory completion, so you can try twenty times on an obstacle until you finally get it. Um, but Spartan, it's one try. So if you just you know, like there have been times where I've literally just slipped off of the Z wall before because I was rushing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can. De- I can definitely. I could de- could have definitely gotten it on my second try. Probably would have been faster than doing thirty burpees, but you have to, you have to do the burpees if you fail. Got it. So, um, I guess is it as long as you do do the burpees, you're okay. Like you won't be disqualified. Right, and you have to make sure you count correctly too. Some, um, especially as you get up into the age group and you know elite categories, especially the top of those categories, um, there will be cameras at the burpee stations uh, okay so, especially, yeah. the, especially the most especially the most failable obstacles like the spear throw yeah uh, where, where, where there, there are you know top elite people will still fail that obstacle even even people who have it in their backyard like myself or i used to have it in my backyard <laughs> when i was um at my parents house um unfortunately now i'm in an apartment um so i can't practice as much for the spear <laughs> throw but um yeah that'd be tough yeah exactly um yeah so um, like one of my friends, he, um, he just miscounted one time and, uh, he did 26 burpees, I guess. Um, uh, you know, sometimes you just miscount cause you're rushing or whatever the case may be. So yeah. he, uh, he got 30, it's a 30 second penalty for every burpee you miss. So he got penalized by two minutes and that bumped him from first place in his age group to, to fourth. So he missed the podium for that reason. Jeez. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's tough. And, um, the spear throw, I remember, I guess for anyone listening, kind of what it is is um, you're act- you're just literally throwing a spear at this kind of like sort of like scarecrow, um, I guess figure some distance away, and it has to kind of stick in this um, like square of hay, right? In order um, to, yes. To yep. Count. Yeah. Yeah. They actually they changed it now to um, it's more of like a foamy material, but yep, it has to stick to count. So and essentially, as long as people say as long as it can stick and you can run away in time, <laughs> then it counts. So basically, you know, there have been times where it's been you know you barely get it, and the volunteer is like, "Run, run, get, you know, get out of here <laughs> before yeah, it falls." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, before you have to do all the burpees. Yeah. Um, so can you win money during during Spartan races? Is that? Uh, yep, yep. So um, you can um, only in the elite category. Um, but to be honest with you, it's not. That much money, um, I believe. Like a regular Spartan race for a win is like five hundred dollars, which I mean. And then a lot of times the rate, the entry fee is like over over one hundred dollars in the first place. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless you want to talk about going into like being a Spartan pro, um, and you know being a top contender in some of the like the national series races or like the world championship, which is like you know twenty grand. Um, but you know, essentially, there's not very many people who are full-time OCR athletes there might be like a couple dozen tops yeah yeah you probably it's it, there's probably only still like a, lot, a, a lot of oh, no go ahead yeah, a lot of people who are in like the yeah a lot of people who are in the tier one category will like still have like a part-time job at like a home depot or something like that yeah so it's um, like especially, almost... especially during the where they can pick up extra hours in the off season or something like that too yeah so it's probably really tough to actually make a living being an OCR athlete solely. Yeah, de- definitely is. Yeah. 
And how does a Spartan race differ from uh, a Tough Mudder? Um, so Tough Mudder is uh, mostly about the camaraderie. Um, you know, it's the open waves are actually untimed. Um, they do have now a competitive series, but when Tough Mudder started, it was all untimed. And the the goal is to help each other through it. Like, um, you know, in a Spartan race competitive, you're not allowed to help another athlete. Or, or receive help yourself, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you're both disqualified if you're caught helping. But Tough Mudder, even in the competitive waves, you're still allowed to, you know, give someone a hand up a wall or give someone a boost if they needed it. You know, most people don't um, because obviously you're competing. But yeah. then there's the open waves where that's what it's all about. Actually, some some obstacles, especially in the open waves, they kind of took it out for lately for the um, competitive waves. They actually require teamwork. Like there's literally one obstacle where it's called the hero carry and you have to, you know, give someone a piggyback ride, basically. Yep. Yeah, I've done and that you, one. And then, you sw- <laughs> and, then you, and then you switch halfway through. So obviously it's like, you know, required um, to have somebody help you. Or the um, the blockness monster there, which is um, you get in the water and then there's like these giant cubes you have to rotate and kind of yep. throw yourself over which is uh you know quite difficult by yourself yeah yeah it's doable it's definitely doable because i've definitely had to do it before but you know generally if you're if you get there with other people you you know work together for that moment and then you keep running on your own yeah um would you, would you say that there's an optimum distance spartan race for someone looking to try their first one or does it really depend on kind of your fitness level um, yeah, I'd say it definitely depends on your fitness level. Um, I mean, probably a 5k because if you're truth be told, if you're not a runner, a 10k is definitely going to be a lot for you. If you just jump in, which is the next distance up, which would be the super. Um, so yeah, definitely the 5k. And then also now with the standardization, they are actually, um, making some of the obstacles easier for the, um, sprint races. Um, for instance, there's no twister or Olympus, um, the multi-rig, instead of having some ropes and things in the middle, there's just all rings. Um, okay. Yeah, they make it... Yeah, they make this, the sprint courses, the obstacles are slightly easier. And is there... So definitely, definitely, definitely a sprint to get your feet wet, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And is there, um, I guess, what people call... Um, arguably the toughest obstacle on the Spartan race course? Um, I mean, it definitely depends on your fitness level because for me, I mean, like the hardest obstacle is probably probably the tire flip, actually. Um, it's a 400-pound tire that you have to flip twice, um, generally only in beasts and, you know, beasts and supers. Yeah. The other toughest obstacle is probably the twister which is, it's a series of rotating handles. So as you swing across it, the handles are on a rotating bar. Uh, but you know, basically it's like, it's usually two or three sections long. So especially when it's three sections, uh, it definitely requires you to be up in the air for quite a while. You know, probably takes me approximately like 30 to 45 seconds to complete it. Um, and now I've you know learned how to be pretty efficient on it. But, you know, if you're going handle by handle, it probably might take over a minute to complete it. So you're looking at dead hanging for at least a minute. So, yeah. which is uh, definitely difficult for a lot of people. Um, and then there's also some obstacles particularly challenging for the for, for the women, um, such as the eight-foot box, 
where you basically have to, you know, use a small rope to climb, to climb an eight foot box. Um, definitely been challenging for a lot of female competitors who are, you know, generally shorter in stature. And then obviously when they're, when it's an age group or elite, you can't receive help. So. Yeah. Right. Um, and one thing I think I probably, and definitely for the, my first OCR I ever did, um, neglected in training for was just generally grip strength for, uh, for a lot of these obstacles. Cause you're just, um, you don't necessarily need to be, um, you know, super strong and like pulling yourself up, but just being able to like hang there for a long period of time, um, mm-hmm. is, is, uh, something I didn't really, um, unfortunately didn't. I guess train as hard as I probably should have for the first one. Yeah, definitely. Because, um, you know, you could do pull-ups all you want. You could hang all you want, but like actually moving and using your body weight, which is, I know, I know we're going to get into it probably a little bit later, but uh, a lot of Ninja Warrior training that I do um, definitely helps with that. Um, you know, like I see a lot of open racers not understand that, say on the rings, you actually want to build a swing and then release your backhand on your backswing. This way you're, you, you know, swing into the next ring as opposed to reaching when you're the closest possible to the next ring. It seems counterintuitive when you say it in words, but, um, it's definitely the reason why I started passing that obstacle. Right. Yeah. There's, um, for a lot of these, um, it might even be more about technique than it is, uh, brute strength. strength. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess that being said, what, what muscle groups would you say are particularly important to train in preparation for a Spartan race and, and why? Uh, I mean, you definitely want to run. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, you're, you're running in, you know, hiking with your, like, I definitely, I'll go hiking or, um, you know, I know a lot of people will, uh, do incline work on the treadmill. So that's definitely important, especially if you're tackling a mountain course. Um, but aside from running, I mean, definitely probably I'd say chest and back, um, because it's important with the carries and then also, you know, your pulling strength and your, um, you know, ability to hang actually comes a lot from your chest and back, not really so much your, your biceps. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and what workouts have you found most beneficial in your training? I mean, generally at this point, um, I spend most of my time running, um, you know, generally try to run four to five times a week, about, uh, 30 to 35 miles per week. Um, because at this point, like where I am, where I'm at, I don't really struggle with any of the hanging obstacles anymore and they haven't really changed either. So, um, I realize I can't really do the obstacles too much faster. I can mostly find shortcuts with my running. Um, but, you know, what I'll do is oftentimes, you know, I'll even, you know, do a run. If I'm at the gym, I'll do a run for a mile on the treadmill. And then um, there's like a TRX kind of setup, but I'll uh, jump on top of it and like scale it with monkey bars up and back and then jump on another, another mile. And then I'll, um, you know, do like a farmer's carry is a good one for the heavy carries. So different right. things like that to mix it up. Yeah, 
um, sort of like doing like a, a some like a like sort of like a calisthenics type workout, like circuit workout, but include some running. Yeah, definitely. You definitely want to include some running because um, I say at least when once I got competitive in it, the hardest part is probably how it's like a rhythm breaker, right? So you know you'll be running for a mile and then you'll see a set of monkey bars. The monkey bars aren't hard, but you have to stop running to do the monkey bars. Um, and then you have to you know land, hit the bell, land, and then pick up the pace as soon as possible again. Yeah. What's uh, what's the toughest Spartan race you've you've ever done or you've done so far? Um, I mean, definitely the Killington Ultra. Um, it took me. Wow. It's the only race I the only race I DNF'd before. Um, DNF standing for do not did not finish. Um, it was. I mean, it's been different every time I've completed it because um, in 2018, they changed the Ultra from, it used to be called the Ultra Beast, and it was just two miles, I say just, just two laps of the Beast, which is about a marathon in length, but then now it's actually called the Ultra because it's an ultra marathon, so they wanted to make it more than a marathon, which would be an ultra marathon, um, so they actually added extra mileage, usually like now it's, you know, 30 miles instead of 26. Um, I went into it for the first time. I just was not prepared. Um, I felt pretty okay on my first lap through, and then what happens is you get to a trend, you get to the start line basically again, and you can you can bring you know things that you wouldn't want to carry with you on course, like say like a full on sandwich or something. Um, and then I actually sat down and thought I could thought I would sit down and like rub out my muscles and stretch and eat and things like that. Probably spent about twenty minutes sitting down, and that was like the kiss of death because I got back up. And then literally every step was five times harder than it was the first time. So um, definitely didn't have the right strategy going into that race. And that's definitely why I DNF'd. And uh, I guess at what what point during that race did you say, I'm done, um, you know, it's not worth it? Like was was it pain or mm-hmm. what was the, what was the, what was the um, cause? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to say it wasn't that because how the Ultra Beast works is um, there are cutoff points, um, usually where they can pull you off the course easily, and there are certain times you have to hit. So um, there was a while there, probably a good like last five miles I was out there. I knew I wasn't making the next cutoff, but I was like, and there were a lot of people who were literally exiting the course at other points, um, but I was like, you know what, nope, I'm going to keep going until they tell me I can't go anymore. Um, so like I... Like, I always say to myself that year I would have finished if they gave me, you know, the rest of the night. Uh, but obviously, they don't want people out there until 2 in the morning. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, because they, you know, they, they pull you off right before a hard section. So, there's a part, part in Killington where if anyone's done it, they would know. It's called the Death March. It's about uh, 1,800 feet of elevation or so over, like, a little more than a mile. It's pretty horrendous. Um, definitely the hardest part of the course. Um, and they pulled me off right before you, I was going to do that for the second time. So I was kind of happy in a way that they pulled me off there. But, you know, if they said, if there, if there was not a person there cutting off your time chip, I would have still, it wouldn't have been pretty, but I still would have done it. <laughs> yeah. Would have, uh, would have crawled up the mountain if you had to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I was definitely not coming off because of, you know, you know, unless I was injured or, um, yeah, unless I was injured, I wasn't going to come off. That's, that, that's why the way I've been for every race. Um, you know, like I was, I went out to Tahoe this year, um, for the world championship and, um, they made a swim in 
25 degree weather. Um, I went in the water, got out, um, was so cold. Like it was definitely hypothermic, shaking, fever. Like I literally felt like just literally felt like I had the flu the rest of the race. Um, and I definitely should have probably called it if I wanted to, um, you know, protect myself. But I was like, you know what? I'm not coming up to California to, uh, to DNF at this race. I'm going to, um, you know, unless they tell me I have to come off or something for some sort of medical reason, but you know, I probably had a little bit of hypothermia, but it, it would have been more, it would have been a quit as opposed to a medical evacuation, which that's the only time I would be okay with coming off as if I had to be, you know, evacuated for medical reasons, not as a choice. Carted off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was, uh, I mean, what, what was it that must, what was that feeling like for you when, uh, they pulled you off the course? It must've been, um, I mean, to already have gone through all of that and then to be pulled off. Um, I think for yeah, me, it would have been kind of devastating. It really was. Yeah. Cause it's crazy because like, um, you know, I've done at that point, I had still, I'd already done like 30 or so races in my career. I guess I say career, um, you know, even though it's not really a career, but, um, in my experience and you know, usually you go, you go through, you get your finish, your medal and your shirt and your beer, if you're old enough, um, or, you know, or a soft drink at that point. Cause I don't think I was 21 actually. Um, but then, um, you know, I ended up exiting the course, you know, crossing, jumping over the caution tape and just being like, well, that's it. Um, but it was, I was not as devastated as you think I would be because I knew I gave it everything I had. Um, you know, I know my, I just mentioned my strategy wasn't as good as it could have been, but it's not because I didn't leave the course thinking I left something out there. Um, definitely still tried my best. Like, um, you know, I still completed the sandbag carry and then came off the course. Um, so I was definitely not upset that I left, you know, didn't leave everything out there. And then I, ate, and then I ate like two burgers and, uh, some fries and candy and <laughs> I, I didn't really shed a tear. I'll say. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, did you, so did you do it again the next year and then? Finish? Yeah, I did. I did. Yep. So I knew I wasn't. I knew there was the one in New Jersey as well, but I decided not to do that one um, because I wanted to do my first on Killington. Killington was my first race, my first beast actually as well, and then uh, my first ultra. So I wanted to kind of come full circle. And then actually, it's funny this year. I mean, with it was in the sprint, but it was uh, it's also my first. It was my first uh, first place podium in an age group. So um, definitely, it's been a lot of firsts at Killington for me. Yeah. What, um, I guess, what was your strategy? Do you think, uh, what do you think made you, got you over the finish line, uh, that time? Was it, um, was it mainly just kind of not stopping, uh, halfway through and just keep on going? What do you think was kind of the main, the main factor? Yeah, definitely. Actually. Um, so I, I found this technique that my mom actually, who's never done a Spartan race, mind you, um, kind of came up with. Um, so I'm sure you're familiar with a camel pack. Um, which is like a hydration bladder type backpack thing for yep. people who don't know. You pack your food and things like that in there. So what I what I do now and I still do it every single time is I pack um, I pack two of them the same way, two camel packs exactly the same, you know, filled with water and everything. And then I literally grab and go. Um, my transition time now is like under five minutes, always. Um, you know, usually I'll 
I have like my little pin roller. So I'll usually like without without sitting down, I'll like roll up my calves, things like that. Um, you know, I'll probably sometimes text Mike my people the people the people I'm with who might not be doing the ultra and be like, I'm at transition. Um, just so they know where I am. But um that's usually all I do at the ultra um transition now. Um so and then just get back on course and then because once you get, you know, it's a 13 mile course. Once you get like four or five miles in, it's like, well, I can't go back now. Um, and it's just easy to motivate yourself, you know, kind of count. You can kind of almost count the miles backwards at that point. Um, you can be like, okay, you know, six to go, five to go, four to go. But yeah, that definitely helped for sure. Um, I, I noticed, so like I mentioned, right, I was at the death march right before um, when I got cut in 2016. In 2017, I was three hours ahead of cutoff time when I um, got to that point. Obviously, it was a different course. Um, they actually they changed the swim in Killington drastically. Um, it's much easier now than it was in 2016 and years, and years prior to that. Uh, you had to come across this whole lake that was probably about 400 or 600 meters or so. I, forget, I can't remember how long it was. I know it took me a long time to finish it, that swim. Um, they cut that definitely by a, quite a sizable amount. So, um, definitely, I don't know if it was easier or harder or what, but got it. And I didn't, I didn't realize they had a, they had a swim, uh, I guess portion as part of ultras. Is that only an ultra thing that they have a swim or does it depend on kind of where uh, no, it is? They, uh, no, it depends on where it is. Um, they have it in, in beast as well. Um, and I've also done it in a super, but a long time ago in Palmerton and in New Jersey. Um, so I think it's mostly a beast thing if anything now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Killington particularly has in has a unique obstacle to that venue where you have to swim out to a bridge, climb up a rope ladder, and then um, swing across these ropes. Um, it's quite difficult. Um, I believe I've only probably only got I probably attempted it like seven or eight times, and maybe been successful like twice. Um, generally, what the issue is at the end of it, actually, the the bell is really high so you have to when you're on the last two ropes you have to like match is a climbing move where you um, put both hands on the same implement and then pull up to the bell but easier said than done when you're hanging 10 feet you know 15 feet in the air um, and usually have taken all your strength to get to that point in the first place yeah and i guess for yeah. my own sort of uh, uh personal um i guess use uh do people use wear camelbacks for beasts or not really? Um, yes, most people wear them for beasts. Um, I'd say I've actually always worn one. However, this year coming, I definitely am looking to get even faster. So um, some of I'd say the easier beasts, such as like the ones that are a little bit flatter or um, not going to take me as long, going to probably attempt to go with no camel pack. I might put like I might get one of those like um, little fanny pack type things and put like a gel or two in it. And then, you know, as I'm approaching the water station, pull out the gel or the chews, eat them, and then take the water at the water station and keep going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd say most people do wear um, a pack for, for beasts. And then even for supers too, I'd say probably if you're looking to race an open, I mean, now supers have been cut drastically from eight or nine miles down to um, a 10K. 
but I'd say a lot of even open racers will wear it for supers. Yeah. Would you recommend a camelback for a beast? Probably if everyone else is oh, mostly using Yeah. It. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, you'll see the elite racers obviously not use them because they'll be on the course half the time than even some of the good, like, age group racers. Right. Um, but yeah, generally, I'd say, like, usually my line is if I'm, I think I'm going to be on the course for longer than three hours, I'll usually wear one. Mm-hmm. It's usually around my line. Because um, you definitely do need to keep yourself hydrated and, you know, lots of nutrition. Right. Right. Um, and on, on kind of that nutrition, do you, what do you usually eat the night before, uh, and the morning of a long distance, uh, race? Um, yeah, generally, um, so if we're talking just a beast and down, um, definitely like usually I'll go with oatmeal and some fruit, um, seems like a smoothie drink or something like that. Um, something that's going to give me some energy, but not, um, make me bloated, but with an ultra, seems I'll like, I want to be full. To be, to be honest with you, uh, because um, I know I'm not going to eat for, you know, 10 to 12 more hours. I'm not going to have another meal. So honestly, like I can be pretty full and then, um, you know, pretty much run it off within the first few miles. Gotcha. Um, and then and then after the race, uh, do you just kind of like eat whatever whatever you want just kind of as like to celebrate like the two burgers that you had after yeah 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 whatever my heart <laughs> desires to be honest yeah um yeah g- generally something with a lot of calories um a couple couple beers yeah um i guess shifting away from spartan races now you're also do you're doing some ninja warrior competitions is is that right yep yep that's right yep so um you know, it's actually funny, probably even longer than I was into Spartan. I've been into Ninja Warrior um, as a fan of the show. Uh, you know, the one, the classic one on G4 um, yep. way back when. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Um, and I think I was watching um, maybe the sixth season of it now. And to put it in perspective, they're on the 12th season. And I, um, I saw this guy, Vince Clapper, who uh, was on the show. And he had a gym in Danvers, Massachusetts. Um, so I looked it up and I was like, oh, they can like, you have it, you can try it. So went over there and tried it. Um, then I also found, I found it to be a really good spot for training grip strength, things like that. Cause it's a lot of similar obstacles to Spartan. Um, and then was, you know, just kind of going there when I, you know, kind of for fun whenever I felt like it. But then probably about two years later, I found that there was a league called the National Ninja League which is basically like they have a bunch of different um, gyms within the league. And then those gyms set up a course for you to, uh, to complete. And it's, it's the same rules as um, American Ninja Warrior, right? If once you fall in the water, you're done. Or, you know, in this case, you know, touch the ground or a structure you're not supposed to, something like that. And I started competing in those. Um, so and basically another outlet to, com- to compete in. Right. What's uh what's your ultimate goal with this? Is it um I guess is like the pinnacle of Ninja Warrior competitions is to get on American Ninja Warrior? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, that would definitely be the coolest for me. Um I actually went I applied last year, didn't get it, um, but then ended up going down anyway because a couple of my friends who I trained with got it. 
Um, so I was actually able to test the obstacles during the day before it was aired. Oh, that's cool. Or filmed, or filmed rather. Um, I only got on one obstacle and fell in the water. But um, that was kind of, just falling in the water was kind of cool. I was like doing an obstacle over water, which I never done before, and then falling in. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, and then I went to go cheer them on. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. And then uh, something I definitely want to strive to do again. So I applied for the second time and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the city dates were just announced. So probably within, for this region, it's going to be in uh, Washington, D.C. So, um, and it's going to be in the beginning of April. So usually they make calls about a, mon- a month out. So hopefully, uh, hopefully my phone will ring. Yeah. 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 It's funny there. The, uh, the, the, the pr- production is from uh, L.A. and the area code there is 818. So, you know, people are around a month before they're, uh, everyone's nervously waiting for an 818 call. Right. And then it's funny though. Now I'll start. I'll start answering all calls from like all kinds of telemarketers, which kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> just kind of hoping. And then it's a, you know, you, you answer the phone excitedly, and then you think it's and it's an automated message. And you're like, well, it's just, it's very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what's uh, so what's your main focus now? Or are you? Is it mainly Ninja Warrior? Mainly Spartan Race? Or is it like kind of even? Um, I'd say it's it's mainly um, I'd say it's mainly OCR um, Spartan race mm-hmm. um, all year round because um, my season actually usually goes from um, like my first Spartan race this year is going to be in uh, Mar- early March in Greek uh, Greek Peak New York and then my last Spartan race is probably probably Fenway Park if I you know almost I hit the lottery and go to the World Championship this year which is in Abu Dhabi um, Wow yeah so definitely expensive to travel for that for sure. Um, but yeah, so, you know, even if I don't go to the world championship this year, it's still from March to November, which is what, eight months. So definitely, um, definitely my main focus is OCR cause I'm still running all season long. Um, although this year that, uh, national ninja league that I mentioned, I qualified for the finals. Um, so that'll be next weekend, um, down in North Carolina. So, uh, probably about last month or two, I've been focusing a lot on ninja. Um, definitely been training like twice a week um specific obstacles so yeah and where where do they hold um i guess that national ninja league finals is it is it in like a like a like a gym sort of place like where um yeah yeah so it's it's in an auditorium uh basically okay. uh, like a giant like a better word for it would be a sports complex um, yeah, last yeah. year it was at the excel center in hartford connecticut um this year it's um I think I forget what the venue is called, but it's in Greensboro, North Carolina. But the, they specifically built it for the finals. Got it. How many How many people will be competing in it? Do you know? Oh, I mean, um, probably a couple thousand, like three or four thousand, because um, the main the main draw for it is, is a ton of kids divisions. Um, so it goes all the way from the kids at six to eight. Um, you know, and then probably every two years beyond that, there's another division with competitors. So, um, it's a, it's a big, big thing for kids. Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess with, with Spartan races and, um, this Ninja Warrior, uh, stuff, are you, are you hoping or or trying to kind of make, um, I guess being an athlete in in those competitions kind of like um one job uh and then 
I guess have kind of a your typical kind of corporate job also if you could kind of get them yeah them yeah basically yeah so um you know i know i'm you know gotten you know some good accolades now especially recently with the uh, age group category added in to my name but uh definitely i don't think i you know i don't plan on pursuing it pro or anything like that um it's uh you know it's definitely kind of like singing in a way i feel like where you know you definitely have to have some natural talent as far as being a runner goes um to get really up there um that or dedicate like a lot of time for it um so like for instance i would probably have to you know quit my full-time job and only train um to even consider being a pro um which would definitely you know not financially be be worth it perhaps mm-hmm. um so yeah so definitely um you know definitely I, the reason i do it for sure is i enjoy competing um you know look i was looking for that i've always been looking for that outlet after high school um because then you know high school sports end and then you're like now what so it's definitely looking for something to do essentially got it what is what is your daily routine look like now um so now you know usually you know wake up around around 5 30 or 6 um end up either going to the gym or um going for a run, which oftentimes at the gym, I'm definitely doing a good amount of running anyway on a treadmill. Um, and then I'm going to work from 8.30 or 8.45 to 5. And then I am uh, usually coming home, um, you know, oftentimes at night going to the Ninja Warrior gym. Um, or I am um, actually working at Pizza Hut otherwise. Um so yeah, I ended up picking up a second job at Pizza Hut just to help afford some of the expenses that OCR and Ninja Warrior bring. Yeah, I mean the registration fees and the travel um, definitely not cheap. So can definitely understand. Okay, do you, uh, so? Do you work out every day? Um, I would say you know they definitely have my rest days for sure. Um, I'd say probably I probably average um, six days a week. Um, I'm doing some sort of physical activity. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, yeah, def definitely good to stay to rest for sure. Um, especially, you know, I'm sure you imagine, you know, having a full-time job plus pizza hut, um, definitely some days, you know, you, you definitely need to sleep for sure. So I think that's actually probably the most important part about, you know, being an athlete is probably sleeping and eating, um, the right foods and then also getting enough sleep. So there's some days where, you know, I might get home from Pizza Hut late and then have work the next morning and, you know, decide that, you know, I'd rather get the eight hours than only six to get a low quality run in. Um, and then, you know, instead I might make that up, make up for that with some, you know, with a long run on the weekend instead. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're really busy with, um, you know, two jobs now and with all the training, have you had to uh, sacrifice a lot socially or relationship relationships wise in order to, uh, you know, train as hard as you do and also hold these jobs. Oh yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, I mean, generally I'm lucky enough to say, you know, at least I don't have to like, you know, generally say no to people when they ask me to, uh, do something social, you know, generally what's nice is, uh, you know, not being a prof professional athlete and, you know, being able to be flexible in my athletic schedule. Um, so like if something comes up, I don't have, you know, someone wants to, hang out one night on a, on, on a spur of the moment. I don't have to, 
you know, say, no, I have to work out. Um, you know, I could definitely just, you know, even if I have to, I'll take a, take a day off. Um, you know, if it's some, somewhat important to me for sure. Um, right. but sometimes, you know, sometimes like, you know, all my friends are hanging out or planning something and then I've already booked a race for that weekend. So in that situation, you know, I have to say no, which is definitely difficult. And then, you know, they still kind of hang out anyways, and it's definitely tough. Especially, you know, being, you know, being, being young still, um, you know, still being, you know, in college or just outside of college now at this point, um, it's definitely tough, um, to see all my friends hanging out and having a good time and then come, you know, what would my life be like if I didn't do this? You know, would I be, would I be more socially, um, active, you know, you know, I'm currently, currently single, you know, would I have a relationship? Who knows? Um, sometimes I've, we've joked and be like, Hmm, I feel like I need someone who's, who's also a Spartan athlete to be a relationship at this point. <laughs> um, cause it's like, they wouldn't understand. Yeah. yeah it's, you, uh... you go on one of those, like go on the, go on like an online date and they're like, you mud gross. <laughs> like, wait, you, you, you pay for that. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're one of your like, uh, pictures is just you like covered covered in mud it's not it might not be the most attractive <laughs> <laughs> basically all my pictures just so just so they know what they're getting into <laughs> yeah yeah no uh yeah no i bet it's it's definitely uh um definitely hard to have to sacrifice those things it's um you know similar to um uh you know even you know being a pro athlete or being an entrepreneur you just kind of have to um make those sacrifices in order to achieve those goals that you really want to achieve. So, um, yep, absolutely. But you know, yeah. I will, I, I will say that I, um, you know, I hate people. I hate one of my pet peeves is when people say they don't, they don't have time for something. Um, right. I think that, um, you make time for what you have, what you uh, want to make time for, whether it's, you know, hanging out with your girlfriend or, um, you know, getting a beer with a guy after work or, uh, you know, running a Spartan race or going to the gym. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, people say they don't have time, definitely just don't want to do that. Um, you know, it's similar to the way where, you know, a lot of people will tell me that they can't afford baseball tickets, um, when they're, you know, really not that expensive. It's just obviously they don't, they don't want to afford them. They, they want to spend their money elsewhere. So yeah. similar. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it might just come down to just people to kind of not, uh, I don't know, maybe for, you know, in some cases not wanting a relationship at this point, they're just kind of like fully focus on, focus on whatever it may be, you know, doing Spartan races or starting a business or exactly or whatever. Um, and kind of use that as like a excuse, you know? Um, right. Yeah. A way way to nicely tell someone or to blow, you know, kind of blow them off. Yeah. um, But they don't want to do that type of thing. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like, you know, it's funny. A lot of people will comment on my, on my social media posts and, um, say, whoa, you're crazy. How could you do that? I can never do that. And honestly, <laughs> like, I definitely disagree. I, I definitely disagree with them. Um, I feel like, you know, an OCR, especially like a Spartan sprint, especially or super definitely going to beast and ultra beast definitely need some training. But, um, you know, I feel like most people could actually f- could finish one. Um, for sure. Probably everyone listening to your podcast probably could finish one. Uh, it's about being able to push your, push your body. Um, just a little bit out of comfortability. Um, you know, it's going to suck a little bit, but you know, having the mental will not to just quit. 
if you can do that much, you know, you'll be you'll be able to finish. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it is definitely definitely mental for sure. Um, I know another guy yeah. who um, did his first ultra, uh, I think last year in in Tahoe. I, w- I want to say was this was his first. Okay, um, and he. Mm-hmm. Um, he he dnf'd too um and it was all mental for him um right yeah yeah, i definitely would say definitely do say you need a strong physical ability to do an ultra like don't just jump into an ultra but i mean you know definitely hopefully anybody listening to this tricks himself out doesn't think they can um you know not do it um you know you definitely can do it uh if you're willing to just you know push yourself a little bit past your comfort zone um, and not not quit. Yeah. Um, how long do you want to keep on doing Spartan races and ninja competitions? It sounds like I mean, it sounds like you're, you're extremely passionate about it. So just kind of as as long as you can. Oh yeah, absolutely, definitely as long as possible. Um, you know, uh, like I said before, I work at I work with the uh, Scranton Rail Riders right now. Um, so. Uh, working for a baseball team means I have to work uh, non-traditional hours at games, obviously, because no one, people, the working community can't go to a game at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Um, so I definitely have to work nights and weekends and things like that. Um, and hopefully eventually I do want to start a family. So, um, you know, once you start talking that realm, it's definitely more difficult to, uh, to make time, right, for this type of thing. But hopefully I'll be able to make time as long as possible. Um, for it yeah and what's what's kept you driven uh to be such an accomplished uh spartan competitor uh an ninja competitor is it you know simply just that yeah you love to do it and you're competitive person or um is it it something else uh yeah i'd say definitely say that i'm definitely competitive right because then also it's that's part of my profession right because i'm in sales um so definitely want to see my name at the top of the leaderboard um or even at least uh you know improving um year over year um like i look at my one of my first races from fenway park which i've done six or seven years in a row now and i've actually gotten better every single year um even if sometimes it was by 10 minutes you know a couple one time it was by like three seconds um but every single year I've gotten slightly better, which is um, definitely fun to see yourself progress in that way. Um, so that's definitely cool. Um, just keep pushing yourself. It's really me against the course, uh, me against myself. Um, and it's just definitely enjoyable to uh, to keep bettering myself, not do it for anybody else but, but me. Yeah, that's one thing about... Um... Uh, I guess the sport of OCR, um, it's more of a competition against uh, against yourself than it is kind of the other competitors, um, which is different than you know a lot of other sports like I don't know soccer or tennis or what have you. Right, exactly. I mean, at this point now, it can be um, a sport against other competitors, right? Because obviously, if you're running, obviously you know you start at the same time. You don't want them to pass you, and there's obviously you know, and you can get into running in different strategies. Uh, there might be some people who will, you know, see in the top competitive races who will, you know, just stay right behind the top competitor and let that person run the whole race at their pace and then, you know, blow by them in the last uh, quarter mile. Um, so there's definitely different strategies you can use to close in on your competitors or, 
things like that, especially once you're talking about OCR when it's a lot of different uh, skill sets. It's like there might be a guy who's really fast on the flats, but uh, you know not so great at, car- at carrying things. So once you get to a heavy carry, then the competitor who might be better at the carrying gain uh, closes some gap on them. So um, definitely different strategies you can use to go against your competitors, but for you know, 95% of the OCR community there, you know, which is a lot of open waivers, they're doing it for themselves, which is a uh, really cool. There's so many different re- different reasons to, to either race or to do Ninja. You know, some people are going for total victory, like Drew Dreschel and winning a million dollars. There are other people who, you know, just want to spread the message of, um, you know, like a rare disease or, you know, lo- love for a loss of a loved one. Or, you know, if you watch the show, obviously you'll see all kinds of those stories. Um, where just, uh, you know, being out there on the course, like in dedicated to a person or to themselves is, uh, you know, something special for them. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. To, uh, to end here, what advice or maybe words of motivation would you give for the people, those people listening who are maybe going back and forth and whether or not they should, uh, sign up for their first Spartan race? Um, definitely that, you know, you can do it would be the uh, things I would say. And that could be applied to anything, right? Um, you know, whether you want to do a Spartan race to push yourself, uh, you know, learn a new instrument, learn a new language. Um, you know, if it's important to you, you'll make time, you'll allocate the funds to do it. Um, and you'll push yourself past that uncomfortability uh, and you'll make the sacrifice to do it. So, um, you know, definitely I would say, you know, go for it. Um, you know, worst case scenario, say at least for a Spartan race, you'll, you know, I guess you could say even in quotations, waste a hundred bucks and a day of your life um, if you absolutely hate it. But I'd say that's the worst case scenario. And then the best case scenario is obviously, um, you know, years of passion, which is kind of what I found. Um, and then so many new friends. Now at this point, you know, almost all of my friends are OCR related, which is and or ninja related, which is uh, just super cool that I found this community. Yeah. And I think even with that worst case scenario, um, it's, you know, even though, you know, you did it or maybe wasted a hundred dollars. Now, you know, you don't like it. <laughs> so, right, um, exactly. you don't have to do so, it right, so, yeah. yeah. So I would, uh, I would say that, you know, saying, saying the word waste would be, uh, even if it's something that you hated and would never want to do again, I'd even say waste is still not even the right word, which is, uh, you know, hopefully that shows that there's some definitely so much po- more positive to gain, even if it's something you're not interested in, you move on to something else. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we can wrap this up. Uh, Tyler, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, it was great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it was an honor to uh, to be on. You know, I've been listening to all of your uh, other episodes, and I had a tough act to follow. So uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, the listeners listeners enjoyed uh, for sure. Yeah, no, uh, it, it was great. Where uh, where can people follow you on social media if they want to keep up on kind of your uh, your OCR journey and ninja journey? Uh, Yep. So um, probably the best thing is be to uh, find me on Instagram. Um, it'd be my first name. My last name is probably be the easiest. I'm sure it'll, my last name is very hard to spell, but my handle is uh, T and then my last name, M-O-V as in Victor, S as in Sam, E-S-S-I-A-N underscore O-C-R is my handle, but also my name's on there and I'm a uh, public account. So you should be able to find me. Cool. And uh, you guys can also follow me on Instagram at uh, Chase Rosa four for updates on new episodes and on my endurance training journey. Uh, 
thanks everyone uh, who's listening and see you next time.